everybody, and welcome to the Gridiron, where we talk all things NFL and college football. My name is Braden Dorman, alongside me, Bryce Peterson. And although I predicted the Green Bay Packers to be taking off the Buffalo Bills in the Super Bowl, we are actually going to be getting the Kansas City Chiefs against the Tampa Bay Buccaneers in two Sundays from now, and we are looking forward to that. But today we are going to recap those NFC and AFC Championship games. Bryce, what do we have in store for us today? Uh, yeah, we're gonna we're gonna recap the AFC and NFC Championship games. We'll talk about quarterbacks like Aaron Rodgers, Philip Rivers, and many other starters around the league that are likely to move or already going to move. Uh, we'll talk about the new coaching hires around the league, how that's all kind of shifting. We'll talk about some other NFL head coaches, and then I'll give you a few fun facts today, uh, and then we'll tell you a big announcement on what's coming in next week's episode. So let's get into that NFC Championship game. We both had the Packers winning it. You obviously had your heart into that one, you know, as you're a big Packers fan. And I know how you're feeling after my Seahawks lost a little bit earlier. But the deeper they go, the harder it hurts when they lose, you know. So Brady comes out with the win in Lambeau. He continues to just prove people wrong and just be insane in the playoffs as the Buccaneers win 31-26. to I'll hit you with a fun fact before uh, your segment later on. Tom Brady has the same amount of NFC championships as Drew Brees and Aaron Rodgers, who have been in the NFC their entire career for the most part and have really been the best quarterbacks in the NFC over the last 15, 20 years. So that is just insane, the success he can have on apparently any team he plays on. But yeah, it was a close game. Green Bay had their chances, as we'll talk about, but what do you kind of see? Well, first off, hats off to Tom Brady. He played a great game. He didn't take care of the football great with three picks, but he threw the ball exactly where their balls needed to be at certain times. He was poised as he always is, and he led his team to another win. So credit to him. He also spread his passes out pretty evenly throughout all of his areas. So when you look at a quarterback's passing, you usually see guys throw into more vertical routes more or more rhythm routes primarily, but Tom Brady... Through 13 to vertical routes, 16 to slot, slot receivers, and 23 to in-rhythm routes. That's very balanced for a quarterback. Uh, very hard to play defense against that when you never know where the ball is going to go and you can't shut down a certain part because Tom Brady was spreading the ball all over the place. So that was a big thing. His, also, his three touchdowns came on, well, three of his touchdowns came on in-rhythm vertical routes. So that was a big piece as well. A lot of coaching decisions that were questionable, but I can see why he made those by Matt LaFleur. And then the officiating for this game was awful for both sides. I mean, yes, maybe it hurt the Packers a little bit more at the end, but it was bad the entire game for both teams. And honestly, if the Chiefs and the Bills were more penalty, like had more penalties... I think we would have seen the exact same thing in the AFC Championship. I'm wondering if there was an officiating meeting saying, let's be relaxed, let's not throw games away because of calls. And then it ended up getting at least changed by multiple calls against the Packers. Um, so the officiating in the game was really frustrating to me. But it was a good win by Tom Brady and the Buccaneers. Yeah, uh, I think you made a lot of great points right there. There were only six penalties total in this NFC Championship game. And I'm pretty sure... Halfway through the third quarter, there had been zero penalties total. So, great, you guys aren't calling penalties, but you can't just start calling them there at the end of the game if you're not going to call them. you got to be consistent throughout the game. But I would say there needs to be penalties 
throughout the game. Like, there needs to be more than six. Obviously, there was a that call on Kevin King on the holding, which I think we can both agree it was a holding. I would just say, A, the ref did not see the holding. He saw the flop. And B, through the penalty way late. So that would be frustrating for me as a Packers fan. But at, And they called pass interference, right? So they didn't even call holding, which would have been the right call. So that stinks for them, and that obviously ended their season on that play. But a penalty is a penalty, and the flop sold it for them, I guess. And, I mean, the other thing to think about was the exact same thing had happened in the end zone on the Packers' red zone drive when they kicked the field goal with two minutes left. It was like two minutes and four seconds, I think, when yeah. they kicked the field goal. That exact same thing happened to Alan Lazard in the red zone on the game-winning drive, and there was no call for it. So that's the other interesting part is you can see certain things where it's the exact same situation and maybe not called the exact same way both sides. And it was the same thing for the Packers. The Packers got away with a couple offensive holdings um, that should have been called and weren't, and then the Buccaneers got away with a couple big defensive ones. And, yeah, it was the wrong call. It should have been defensive holding rather than pass interference. But what can you do? When the refs are inconsistent, it's just kind of how it is. There was an angle of Rodgers chewing out one of the refs during a TV timeout because of the exact same thing happened on the other side of the ball. There was no flag. So, hey, it's the Brady effect, right? Like people mention it, they're they're quiet about it, but like Brady's gotten some calls that have gotten him to some Super Bowls, and I'm not taking anything away from him. He's gotten six Super Bowl rings, and he maybe has a seventh one on his way. But there have been some crazy plays that have happened that have allowed him to get to the Super Bowl. And here's another one, another kind of storyline for the Packers was they lost Aaron John Aaron Jones earlier in early in the game, and he was a guy that went off in the NFC Divisional round against the Rams. Aaron Jones is solid. He's their number one guy, but Jamal Williams and A.J. Dillon did come in and play well, but they're not They're not Aaron Jones. So that, that one hurt. Obviously, the Buccaneers had a couple safeties out. Antoine Winfield was out from the get-go. And then their other safety got injured through the game, and Rodgers maybe could have taken advantage more from that. My last point will be, man, I really thought the Packers were going to hit Pater on that last drive. And I did not really agree with the field goal. It's hard for me. Um, I know you've got some timeouts and two-minute warning to get that stop, but it's Tom Brady. And Brady's a really scary guy to give the ball back, especially when you still need to get a touchdown. I felt like if they were, if a field goal made them within a field goal game, that makes more sense. But if you need to score a touchdown and then you decide to kick the field goal but still have to score a touchdown and you're giving Tom Brady the ball, it doesn't make too much sense to me. And I really thought Rodgers had a couple opportunities to scramble into the end zone when he decided to throw it instead of scramble. And they also had that RPO on first down, which is a run-pass option where he decided to throw that also. Maybe they could have gotten closer and ran it there. But even if they do score, they would have had to get that two-point conversion. So who knows what would have happened. But their opportunities were left short, and they lose 31-26. to Yeah, same kind of thing, talking about the coaching decision there at the end, kicking a field goal. I don't know that that was the call I would have made, but I can see the logic behind it because here's the problem. You kick a field goal, then you're within five. You're looking for a win. You're going for a win if you kick the field goal. You have four timeouts virtually. The Packers could have made two different stops to get the ball back, and then the penalty occurred, and then they gave up a first down. So that was the two times. Had the defense stopped him right there, it would have been a great call. We would have been talking today about 
how it was a great call and maybe it just didn't pan out for the Packers or something like that. But because there was a interference call and they gave up a little bit, it was Matt LaFleur trusting his defense um, and trying to have as much time left on the clock to get another touchdown. Uh, they were 0 for 3 on two-point conversions over the last two weeks. So even if he scores the touchdown, he's thinking, I'm probably going to have to come back and score a field goal anyway. I'd prefer to have the four timeouts, at least have hope for a win. Not the call I would have made, but I can see the logic behind it. One interesting fact for you guys, Aaron Rodgers is the first quarterback since the 1970 merger to lose four straight conference championship starts, and a bunch of those were heartbreakers. Last year was a blowout loss to the 49ers in the NFC Championship. The one before that was 2014 against your Seahawks with the fake extra point. And the onside kick. Yeah. Uh, and then I believe 2012 and 2011, because they won in 2010, I believe, or maybe it was 2010-2012, where he also lost the NFC Championships. He's gotten himself there every time, and then something just happens where he doesn't quite make it to the Super Bowl. Um, so I feel really bad for him, but that's something that we will talk about in a little bit. Yeah. And then you're going back to that, I just want to touch on that last, on that decision, because it, it was a huge decision, and a lot of people were talking about it, and LaFleur was given a lot of, a lot of people were talking about it, and I would say, yes, there was a lot of, there was logic behind it, and I understand what he was thinking, but you're getting the ball back, if you do get the ball back in that scenario, you're going to be pinned pretty far back with maybe 40 to a minute left, 40 seconds to a minute left, and yes, I know if anybody could do it, it would be Aaron Rodgers, but they're not going for a field goal like Rodgers is has done in the past where he gets that game-winning field goal. Remember in the playoffs a couple years ago when he hit uh, Jared Cook on that sideline pass and then they got the field goal with seconds left game. They had to get a touchdown, and that was the problem for me. And here's my thing. If you do go for it and miss it, the Buccaneers are now pinned backwards at the 8-yard line. You can possibly get that stop then, get the ball, maybe at a better field position, and still have to get that touchdown, and then the two-point. But... Buccaneers get the win, and they're going to be in the Super Bowl in Tampa Bay. Yeah, and then one more public service announcement for all my people in media. Those of you that are on ESPN, you probably will never hear this, but I'm going to tell you anyway. Calm down. You guys are saying that Matt LaFleur doesn't deserve to be the head coach of the Green Bay Packers. He has one of the best records ever as a rookie and second-year coach. And just because he made a questionable decision in a playoff game, does not mean he does not deserve to be a head coach. Get off his back, calm down, he made a dumb decision, it's called being human. Uh, he deserves to be the head coach of the Packers, he's been a great head coach up until this point, there's no reason to say that he does not deserve to be the head coach. I would agree with that. Alright, let's get into this AFC Championship game, where the Kansas City Chiefs win 38-24, to and just another offensive explosion. Tyree Kill and Travis Kelsey are continue to just blow my mind with the stuff they're doing. Hill had nine catches for 172 yards. Travis Kelsey had 13 catches for 118 yards and two touchdowns. I just personally, as much as I was loving the Bills, as we'll get into it here in a second, as long as Mahomes, Hill, and Kelsey are there, it is very hard for me to imagine not them not to get to the Super Bowl. It's just they've been there, done that at this point, and they are unstoppable even by one of the best defenses in football, the Buffalo Bills. 
I just, I'm looking forward to seeing what they can do in the Super Bowl because these guys are having an absolutely lights-out year, and they're probably going to have some more light-out light lights out years to come. What did you see in this game? I thought it was a great offensive showcase by the Kansas City Chiefs. First off, I think one of the keys for the game, which I had said last week, was what's the health status of Patrick Mahomes? He looked fine. They put an insert in his shoe. He had rested all week because of concussion protocol. He came out with a slight hobble, maybe, but was able to get out of the pocket, still make the throws he wanted to throw. I mean, he made a juke on his bad foot to make a Bills guy miss so he could throw a pass, which obviously I think was a top five play in the game. But, I mean, that was one of the biggest keys for me. Another key, the Chiefs offense used pre-snap movement or a motion on 84% of the plays in their first half, and then they did about the same in the second half. They averaged 66 in the regular season, which was third in the NFL. And because of that, well, they ended the game with using motion on 82% of their plays. With a shift, they had eight yards per play and four touchdowns. With no movement, they had 4.6 yards per play and one touchdown. So you can see what the motion does, A, for Patrick Mahomes, because as soon as you do a motion, you can figure out what a defense is, or at least have a ballpark idea pretty quick. Second off, if there's motion, there's a lot of eye candy for people to get their eyes stuck in a backfield or stuck on Tyreek Hill moving across a formation or whatever. And so then you have backdoor holes that Patrick Mahomes can throw a ball into or you can run the ball with Clyde Edwards-Hilaire with. And then finally... It just creates problems on both the defensive side if you're playing a man-to-man or in the zone because then you're having to hand off guys um, while playing defense. And there's not really a way that you can stop a team from doing a motion because it's before the snap. So it's something that I think Andy Reid has, and Eric the enemy, have really drilled into this Kansas City offense, and it's working very, very well. And I think it'll be a big key in the Super Bowl, but we'll talk about that at some point in the future. Yeah, and you made a great point. Like, when Tyree kills running in the backfield, they're fake handing it to him, they're fake throwing it to him. There's at least one to two guys going for that because he is so dangerous, maybe the most dangerous player in the NFL with the ball in the open field. So I just personally love watching the different plays Kansas City comes up with each week because it's something new every week, I feel like. And it's just like, wow, how do you how do you come up with that? Just just they do like a fake screen, fake hand off the hill, and then there's another screen on the other side to Travis Kelsey for fifteen yards and a first down. It's just the stuff they come up with is so dangerous and so new and innovative. And that's why they continue to have great offensive performances because they continue to build on different plays throughout the season. And right now they're looking really good and we'll we'll see how that goes in the Super Bowl, but I'm guessing more of the same. Um, as far as the Bills, they started the game off 9-0. I uh, wouldn't say it had much to do with their offense. McCole Hardman, the Chiefs punt returner, muffed the punt and gave the ball to the Bills on the three-yard line. And the Bills hit Pater and then missed the extra point to make the game ten to, or 9-0. And then, obviously, the Chiefs went on a little 38-7 to like seven run, and then the Bills scored a touchdown there at the end. Hey, Josh Allen, he made it to the AFC Championship. Obviously, just wasn't enough, and... We'll see if he can be enough in the future, but it's going to be tough because he's going to have to go through Mahomes. Do you think Josh Allen will ever be that guy? Do you think he's ever going to be able to get his team over this hump and that hump being the Kansas City Chiefs? I think it'll be a challenge for him 
because first off, Kansas City's roster needs to get tremendously worse for everybody's <laughs> sake in the AFC. Yeah. If they have a similar or same roster for the next five years, I don't know that anybody can beat them. Tom Brady will have to come back to the AFC to beat the Kansas City Chiefs. Like, it will be very, very challenging. But the other key for me is, can the Bills get Josh Allen another weapon other than Stephon Diggs? Because you can't, I don't know, other than Cole Beasley, who, by the way, played the AFC Championship on a broken fibula. Other than him, I don't know that I could name a dangerous weapon that Josh Allen has other than himself. It's him, Stephon Diggs, and Cole Beasley on a good day. The running backs have not played well. I mean, he led the team in rushing as a quarterback. So, if the Bills can get him more weapons, I think they have a shot in the future. Now, I do not think that's probably next year. It might be the year after that. But there needs to be some cap space freed up so that they can get him a tight end, a running back, a wide receiver too maybe. But he needs more weapons. He has the talent as a quarterback. I mean, I'd argue he's probably a top five quarterback in the NFL right now. Maybe even top, he might be fourth. I'm not going to say he's top three, but top four. So I think they need to get him some more weapons. And the defense needs to be a little bit more consistent. They played well throughout the year, but it was inconsistent. You saw little defensive miscues throughout the year, like the Arizona Cardinals game where they lose on a Hail Mary, and then you go to the Kansas City Chiefs, and you didn't give up any points in the first quarter, but then suddenly you give up 21 in the second and 10 in the third, and suddenly a game is out of reach for you once you do that. So... It's just something that I think they're going to have to get more consistent with. But I think their talent is there. Um, so, yeah, that would be my keys is can the Bills get Josh Allen another weapon or two? And can the Bills' defense get a little bit more consistent? Yeah, and it is kind of a common trait for defenses to look really good until they face the Chiefs. So we'll see if that team can be the Buccaneers that kind of ends that and maybe finds a way to stop them, the Niners did for the most part in the Super Bowl last year, and then uh, the Chiefs put up 21 points in like six or seven minutes in the fourth quarter to have that incredible comeback Super Bowl win. And as I said, I'm looking forward to that game on February 7th. But let's get into a couple things that happened after the game in the NFC after the, in the NFC Championship game. Uh, I know you weren't too happy about the, the comments that were being made about Aaron Rodgers. He obviously said his... Teammates' future on the team were uncertain, and as was his. And it's kind of weird because he's under contract for another two or three years. So that, that made people think, oh, maybe he wants out of Green Bay. Maybe he wants. Maybe he's not happy with coaching because of the decision they made. Which, yes, of course, he's going to be a little mad that they took the ball out of his hands, but he had three opportunities to make a play, and he didn't. Are you buying this Aaron Rodgers leaving stuff? I don't. He's always been, I don't know if emotional is the correct word to use, But he's always been a little bit extra after a loss, especially in the playoffs. He always had a huge competitive fire. He wants to win more than anybody else out on the field. He's a competitive guy. And so when he loses or he gets the ball taken out of his hands or he thinks the refs have taken a chance away from him or a game away from him, he's going to be upset. 
And I think part of that comment too was maybe they're gonna bench me for Jordan Love next year. Not necessarily. I don't. I don't think that it's like true. I don't think that maybe that's what he's thinking. But there's always the possibility that he's making a backhanded comment about the Jordan Love situation. I don't think he's gonna leave. I don't think he's gonna force his way out of Green Bay. He's played here for forever. He loves it at Lambeau. You can listen to his interviews on the Pat McAfee show about him talking about Lambeau and how much he loves playing there and how much he loves the fans there. And something that Dan Orlovsky brought up on ESPN the other day is there's not really a better football situation for him to go to anywhere. It just has to be more consistent, and they just have to get over the hump. He's not going to have a more talented roster or a better coaching staff somewhere else. And so that's the thing is it could be an emotional decision for him to leave, but it wouldn't be a football decision. Yeah, I guess Orlovsky beat me to the punch there because I was going to make two points. And the first was going to be that he could go somewhere else, sure, because there's going to be a lot of QB movement this this year, and I can't wait to talk about it in the coming weeks. But there's not going to be a better situation than the Packers anywhere he goes. And my second point would be if you there's like some AFC – possible teams that could take him, like the Colts or somebody else like that, the Steelers. But would you really want to go to the AFC with Mahomes and Josh Allen and Deshaun Watson and so many great quarterbacks? I think he's got such a great situation in the NFC, and this was honestly their year to do it, and they didn't didn't do it. And I feel like they could honestly come right back and do the same thing next year. I know there will be some changes. We'll see if Aaron Jones stays around, but they still have two really good running backs. So I, I really think their offense is deadly, and as you said, and Orlovsky said, they can't be in a better position. Yes, he makes a lot of extra comments, and I feel like every year they lose, we're like, oh, is Aaron Rodgers going to leave? And it never happens, and it's not going to happen this year after this MVP season. So let's just calm that, calm those talks. That's not going to happen, and uh, we'll see, I'm sure, him on the podium or the virtual podium here in a couple weeks, receiving an MVP award after a great season that he had. All right, let's get into um, some other news that happened during the week last week. Philip Rivers did officially retire, threw, up a, threw it up on our Instagram story. Make sure you go give that a follow at the Gridiron Podcast. You predicted that Rivers would retire, and I still think ben, Big Ben's going to retire, or at least that he should. We'll see what, what happens, but... Do you have anything to say about Philip Rivers? Do you think Big Ben may follow? Drew Brees going to make it official? I think, well, first off, Philip Rivers had a great career, always had a competitive fire about him. I know a lot of AFC fans really hated him because he was a big trash talker. He loved to talk at guys and chirp at guys. It's just part of his competitiveness and what he loved to do. And I honestly respect it by him. I mean, he stayed himself even when people hated him and, Although sometimes he didn't have the accuracy that the elite quarterbacks have, he still threw the ball incredibly well. And he was never afraid to throw a football into a tight space. You'd watch him go down the field, throw a pick, and then come back and throw the very next ball in the tightest window that you've ever seen. So he had a great career. Hats off to Phillip Rivers. Have a great retirement. Yeah, and I would say, along with that, yeah, he had the just most insane confidence in fearlessness to him just the balls he would throw it was, was would just be insane and then we also have to talk about has a guy ever had so much success with such a crazy arm angle like I mean that's what he will always be remembered for the 
sidearm sling that he kind of did. This, like, oh, that looks like it hurts every time he throws it. But no, I just threw for 300 yards again and beat you. Like, yes, it looks weird, but this this is beating you. So how does that feel? I mean, it, we're going to miss it from Phillip Rivers, but it's good to see him go. Glad he made it to the playoffs on his last year. And he had a good fight on his last, last game against the Bills. Took him to the very end. I'm excited to see who the Colts go with next. Will they go young, maybe draft somebody, or are they going to try to get another veteran for this win-now team because they have a really good roster around them? And I think there's a lot of great candidates um, that we can talk about here in a little bit. But as far as Big Ben, Drew Brees, do you think they're next here in the next couple weeks? I think Drew Brees is possible just for the amount of injuries that he's had to play through for the last two, maybe three years. The broken ribs, I mean... Concussions, all of it. He's played through it all. Uh, his his kids are starting to get older. I think he's wanting to be a little bit more of a dad than a football player. I think he's had a great career, and I definitely think that he walked out of the Saints Stadium in the playoffs thinking it was his last time, and we'll see if he decides to go back and try one more time. I just don't know that the Saints are going to have the same roster that they did this year and that they'll have more talent uh, to be able to compete with the Tom Brady's and the Aaron Rodgers. So that would be my thing. And then as far as Big Ben goes, I think he could stay another year. I really do. I think he's playing well enough. He's still throwing for 300 yards, 400 yards. Nobody's really doing much to him. He's played through a lot of surgeries, but he hasn't played through a whole lot of... He didn't have a whole lot of injuries this past year. I think it's quite possible that he goes back for one more year at least, uh, gives it one more shot. So I I think my prediction as far as him is that he is going to try and come back again next year. Yeah, it's kind of weird because the Drew Brees situation, I feel like there's been a lot of chatter about who's taking over. Is it going to be James Winston or... Taysom Hill or is it going to be somebody else? And Drew Brees actually hasn't officially retired, so I think there's a lot of feeling around the football world that it's going to happen. And I'm, I'm with him, I think. I think it's probably just about time he goes. He's probably realizing that, man, I probably could not have had a better roster this year, and we still didn't even make it out of the divisional round. He's had one of the best careers ever. He's going to be a first ballot Hall of Famer in five years, and... I think Breeze might be heading out, and I also think Big Ben, Big ben is going to head out. And here's why. His center, Marquise Pouncey, just retired this week. They had been quarterback and center together, I think, the last five to six years. So they've been around f- for quite a while. Um, those were the two guys that were actually crying when they lost to the Browns. And that maybe makes more sense now. Maybe it was like, all right, we're not going to be quarterback and center any- together anymore. So maybe Big Ben stays and Pouncey goes. But I think it would be fitting if they both went out together, and I I think it's time for Big Ben as well. I know he's putting up some good numbers, but he's also starting to get pretty inconsistent, and he also had a pretty good roster around him and could not get it out of the divisional round, and they started off 11-0. Just a lot of inconsistency, honestly, from both of those two guys the last year, and you can't take anything away from their career, but for the future of their franchise, it might be best for them to move on with all the quarterback stuff that's going to be happening they have two, They have opportunities to move on. Yeah, so moving from that, I'm going to talk about some of the quarterbacks. So Adam Schefter released something the other day. Um, it's about all the quarterbacks whose futures are in question. So 
on this list, Deshaun Watson, Matthew Stafford, Dak Prescott, Sam Darnold, Carson Wentz, Jared Goff, Jimmy Garoppolo, Cam Newton, Teddy Bridgewater, Mitch Trubisky, Jameis Winston, Ryan Fitzpatrick, Alex Smith, Ben Roethlisberger. So I think one of the big things that we need to talk about is Deshaun Watson's situation. He's still helping out his community in Houston today. Uh, he's doing a volunteer thing. I saw that this morning. But I really, he said he's on his way out no matter who the head coach is, no matter what happens, he wants out. So what do you think are some possible destinations for him? Um, and what's your opinion on his situation? Houston is... That's tough. What what's going on in Houston right now? Obviously in basketball they just lost James Harden, their star player, and now it looks like A Deshaun Watson, your future quarterback who you inked a huge deal with last year, is heading out. And JJ Watt, one of your most iconic Texans ever, is going also gonna probably not be a Texan next year. Um and he'll probably get an opportunity to play for a playoff team before he retires here in the next couple of years. But as far as Watson, there was a lot of talks about the Jets this week. And he eventually came out and said, no, they're not my number one preferred destination, even though people were reporting that. I still think the Dolphins makes a lot of sense, not just for Deshaun Watson, but for the Texans. I think the Dolphins have a lot to trade for him. Potential deal I would come up with would be Tua Takabailoa, the number three overall pick. And the Dolphins could give them, A, their second first-round pick this year, which is like 18 or 19, or their 2022 first-round pick. So they have a lot of firsts to give them, and that number three pick would be pretty dang good with a future quarterback like Tua, which, yes, he's a little questionable, but, I mean, it was his rookie year, and he only played half the season. So if you want to get the most bang for your buck if you're the Texans, I would look no further than the Dolphins, but literally there's so many spots he could go to, and he'd go to Detroit, honestly, because Stafford's heading out. He could go to Pittsburgh if Big Ben leaves. He could go to the Saints if Drew Brees leaves. There's so many different spots. Right now, I like the Dolphins. I think that'd be a really scary team. I agree. I think the Texans are going to lose their star players this year. Um, I think Deshaun Watson's headed out. And I don't think that the Texans are going to trade him to his preferred destination. I think they're going to trade him to wherever they can get the best deal for him. And whatever team can do that, I think, is where he'll end up. So Miami Dolphins are obviously the front runner with that. But obviously the teams you listed also have some ammo that they could trade away as well. Um, another guy that we're going to talk about, Matthew Stafford. And the Lions announced that he will be actively traded at some point during this offseason. Locations for Matthew Stafford. So there's the Colts which is my favorite destination for him, just because they're a playoff-ready team. Kind of, It would be kind of a similar situation to Rivers coming to Colts, like, hey, we have a really good defense. We have a running game that works well, play action. It's, 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 it's good. We just need a quarterback. And I honestly like Stafford with this team more than Rivers, just because, man, Stafford's been so great his whole career. He just never had the team around him. You give him this Colts roster, and once again, they're absolutely in the playoffs. I think they're winning their division. And they're possibly playing for an AFC championship, maybe going up against Mahomes, maybe Stafford and Mahomes in the AFC championship. I would just personally like to see that. I think Stafford has a couple more years in him. He just needs to stop getting sacked. Oh, wait, the Colts have one of the best O-lines in football. So I think that's my favorite destination for him. A couple other teams I've heard are the 49ers, maybe the Steelers. So we'll see. I would love for him to not be in the NFC West as a Seahawks fan which I've already said about Deshaun Watson in a 
past episode, NFC West quarterbacks are already stacked, so let's not give the Niners anybody too good. Let's They can have Garoppolo. I, I like that, but that's what I think so far. But it'll be exciting to see where he goes. Yeah, I agree. I think the Colts are definitely my favorite location for him. I think another location, well, another few locations that you could talk about. I don't know why he would want to go here, but he's from Texas. So if he wanted to sign with the Texans, or if Dak Prescott doesn't agree to a contract, I don't think that would happen. But if Dak Prescott doesn't agree to a contract, then maybe Matthew Stafford makes his way into the Cowboys organization. Um, Obviously, the 49ers, like you mentioned, are another possibility. The Jets would be another possibility. They have cap that they could sign him, and they have a new coach. So I think that's something where he could come in and put whatever system he wanted in. Um, which may be a motivating factor to him. Maybe it's not. We don't really know because he's never had that choice before. But he will definitely be an interesting one to watch because, yeah, like you said, I think he's definitely a top 10 quarterback or could be if he actually had a roster around him, had an O-line to protect him, and had a few weapons out on the outside. I mean, even when he didn't have a good O-line and he had Calvin Johnson, he played great. He threw the ball to Calvin Johnson and let him make plays and, so just imagine if he could get one weapon and no and a line what that would look like. I think that would be really big for whoever signs him. But yeah, the Colts would definitely be my uh, primary de- destination for him. How about this one? This is just kind of random, but going back to Deshaun Watson, if you're the Jacksonville Jaguars, you trade in Deshaun Watson for the number one overall pick? I don't think so. I think that they're not built for now. I think. They want to build for the future. Yeah. And a rookie quarterback would be exactly how you would want to do that. Maybe a cheap veteran and then a rookie quarterback would be the move. Just play a guy like the Miami Dolphins this year with Fitzmagic and Tua. I wouldn't sign Fitzmagic necessarily, but a cheaper veteran quarterback. Maybe start him and then put your number one overall pick behind him for a couple weeks, maybe a really? full season. See how that works out for you. But I don't think they're built for now. I think they want to build for the future, so I wouldn't see them trading away the number one pick for him. Hmm. That kind of just brought us into a different like argument here. Like, You think Trevor Lawrence will not start week one if he's drafted by the Jaguars? No, I think he probably will. But as we've seen from quarterbacks for however long, Quarterbacks that sit and learn for a couple weeks at least, maybe a year, are the ones that succeed. Aaron Rodgers sat for multiple years before ever playing. Patrick Mahomes sat for a season. Lamar Jackson sat for a season. I wouldn't say he's the best quarterback ever, but a star in the NFL sat for a season. Looking at other guys, Jimmy Garoppolo sat for a long time, and he was good for a couple of years. Maybe not now, but he was good for a while. So you see a lot of the guys that are successful in the NFL, they sat for a little bit. And so I think if the Jaguars are trying to build for the future, signing a cheaper veteran and sitting him for a little bit might be a better idea than trying to go out and play him right away. Yeah, I never really thought of that. I would just, I my, my thought has always been, if you're going to draft a guy number one, he's going to be like one of your best players and he's going to be on the field, but they don't feel comfortable that he's going to be protected necessarily or that he's going to have the weapons to succeed, I guess you could make that point. But I would expect him to start week one, and we'll see if he can prove you wrong as a successful first-year quarterback. Because, hey, I mean, guys have done it too. You know, J- 
Justin Herbert just had a great rookie year, but he did take a couple weeks off. Deshaun Watson did the same thing. Russell I'm Wilson. Not, yeah, I'm not saying that there are guys that haven't done it. I'm just saying the guys that are more successful at an earlier age typically tend to sit for at least a couple weeks. And I will say those some of those guys have had better situations. Like they've been later picks on a better team and they've been able to sit behind guys like Brett Favre and Alex Smith. So he's not necessarily as, a, as great of a position on the Jaguars where they are asking like anybody, like, please give us Trevor Lawrence. We do not have a quarterback we want to play right now. So he'll probably start, but the draft has not come yet. There's still so much to happen. There's still so many teams that are that may decide to sign or get rid of their quarterback and then go straight into the draft looking for that quarterback. I still think four or five quarterbacks will go in that top ten picks, and I'm just excited to see what happens. As far as now, ladies and gentlemen, it is my favorite time of the episode. It's time for my fun facts. I don't have a whole lot for you this week, as obviously... The NFL season is winding down and there's less to find fun facts about. But a lot of these are just little tidbits that relate to the games that I didn't bring up before. So first, what does a Super Bowl win mean to both the Chiefs and the Buccaneers? So the Patrick Mahomes and the Chiefs. Patrick Mahomes would be the youngest starting quarterback to win multiple Super Bowls. The current record is Tom Brady at age 26. And then for Tom Brady, it would be the first NFL or MLB, or NBA, or NHL player to ever win titles for two different teams after turning 40. Nobody in any major league sport, as I listed, has ever done that. Um, The last Super Bowl he won was with New England at age 41. Also, Tampa Bay now has had three teams who have made their championships since Tom Brady has signed with the Bucs. The Tampa Bay Rays made it to the World Series, the Tampa Bay Lightning won the Stanley Cup, and now the Buccaneers are headed to Super Bowl 55. So Tom Brady brings a little bit of magic with him, apparently. Well, yeah, because in Boston, I mean, the Celtics had a huge run. The Red Sox had a great couple years, and then obviously what the Patriots were doing in Foxborough. Yeah. Okay, and then moving on to the next one, Devontae Adams is the first player in NFL history with 120-plus receptions and 20-plus reception touchdowns in a single season, including the playoffs. Players with 20-plus receiving touchdowns in a, season, in a single season, including playoffs, include Mark Clayton in 1984, Jerry Rice in 1987 and 1989, Randy Moss in 2007, Rob Gronkowski in 2011, and now Devontae Adams in 2020. And then the final fun fact for today is Travis Kelsey has joined Antonio Brown and Julian Edelman as the only players since at least 1950 with 10 consecutive games with seven or more receptions, including the playoffs. So that's big. You know just how much Patrick Mahomes loves throwing the ball to those guys. And if you'll notice, the two other guys on the that list, their quarterback, Tom Brady, who he's going up against and has won multiple Super Bowls against. So maybe Travis Kelsey and uh, Tyree Kill and Patrick Mahomes are going to be that new Julian Edelman, Gronk, and Tom Brady combo. The next generation of that combo to reach the NFL. Yeah, and I got a couple of fun facts here as well. One pertains to the Super Bowl is we looked back at that really good Steelers team about three or four years ago. Antonio Brown is in the Super Bowl for the Buccaneers. Le'Veon Bell is in the Super Bowl for the Chiefs. 
and Big Ben is contemplating retirement. So it's pretty crazy how that all turned out because it looked like, oh, those two guys are idiots there, which at the time they probably were idiots. But they found their way back to the Super Bowl one way or another, and the Steelers are not in the Super Bowl. Um, also, pretty cool and crazy thing to me is in college football, Alabama lost both their offense coordinator and defense coordinator, but they're fine because they just refueled with their new offensive coordinator being Bill O'Brien, who was the Texans' head coach last year, and their defense coordinator is Doug Marone, who was the Jaguars' def- or, uh, head coach last year. So they just replaced their two coordinators with two NFL head coaches, Nick Saban, Bill O'Brien, and Doug Marone, leading their way in Alabama. If you give them any kind of roster, kind of have an idea of what they may just go ahead and do next year. It's pretty crazy what Alabama does year after year. Yeah, and then I actually have one more final fun fact. Um, so we know Patrick Mahomes and Tom Brady play quarterback the quarterback position very differently. Patrick Mahomes is the gunslinger, on-the-run type guy. Tom Brady is the pocket passer. And this stat kind of proves it. 23.3% of Patrick Mahomes' pass attempts this year have been on the run, while Tom Brady has attempted just 3.1% of his attempts outside the pocket. So you look at that and... Tom Brady is always inside the hashes, always inside the pocket, except for clearly that 3%. But then you look at Patrick Mahomes, and one out of every four throws is out on the sideline or somewhere outside the pocket. So that's also another pretty interesting fact. Yeah, as Brady continues to do what he's been able to do his whole career, and that's throw from the pocket. And obviously there's a new generation of quarterbacks that are um, starting to do it outside of the pocket, but father time, Tom Brady, I mean, he's just crazy what he continues to do, and it doesn't matter what you throw at him. He's at his 10th Super Bowl, which will probably stand as a record forever. I uh, Maybe Mahomes. Maybe Mahomes gets 10. We'll see, but it's really early, and he's just made it to his second one, so it's just that just kind of shows how crazy it is that Tom Brady's been to 10 Super Bowls, and we are excited to talk about the Super Bowl more in depth next week as um, next week, there will be a little virtual Pro Bowl. We're not really going to talk about that too much. It's kind of going to be like on Madden, a video game. So maybe we'll talk about it for a little bit. But next next week is going to be our episode where we get talk about all things Super Bowl. And we are excited to be joined by the B-Squared podcast, also a part of Showcase Sports Media. They talk about baseball and basketball on their podcast, and we'll have them on. Uh, it should be a lot of fun. We'll, they'll be able to kind of give you a little info on their podcast. And then we're just going to... Talk about probably all the prop bets, who's going to score first, what commercials are going to be played, just everything that goes into a Super Bowl Sunday, and it should be one of our better episodes yet. So we hope you guys enjoyed this episode and look forward to next week's. Yeah, thank you guys again for tuning in. We appreciate all the support. Follow us on Instagram at the Gridiron Podcast. Uh, our merch store is up. The link is in the bio there, as well as the link for these podcasts in case you want to send it to any friends. Please give us any feedback. Uh, send us a DM on Instagram. Uh, we appreciate you guys and all the support. Thank you for listening. We know this week has been a little bit shorter episode, uh, but we look forward to giving you guys an episode with the B-Squared guys next week. Uh, have a great weekend, and happy football.